Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This edition of the Patriots Report is brought to you by Bet Online. Football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real time updates on statistics, news, and odds from week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl. Bet Online gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BLEAV, that's B L E A V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Today on the Patriots Report, Chris Hogan and myself review the Patriots Jets game, a 15 to 10 win for New England. We also look ahead to. The Patriots-Cowboys, a big week four matchup in Dallas. Plus, you get to hear me say nutshot for the first time in my podcasting career. That's all up right now on the Patriots Report. All right, Chris, let's start here. Your initial takeaways from a 15-10 win over the Jets. Look, for a team that was staring down the barrel of 0-3, you can't be you know, you really can't be choosy when it comes to victories at this point in the season. Nah, I mean, it's the NFL, you know, wins are tough to come by every single week. Um, and they found a way to, you know, get the job done on Sunday. Um, you know, not great weather, but you're playing again at, you know, you know, on the road, um, you know, and they found a way to win. Right. And I think they did some good things. I think this team is still trying to establish their identity as an offense. Um, you know, I was pretty impressed with the way that their defense played again. Uh, you know, they were able to limit some, you know, some guys, you know, their backfield wasn't, you know, didn't have uh, the game. I think that they expected their backfield to have Garrett Wilson, you know, Christian Gonzalez continues to show up as, uh, you know, developing into a really, really good corner. I mean, I really did watch him uh, throughout that game and he's going to be a good player. You know, I think he is on, you know, stays healthy and, and continues to work on his craft. I mean, I think they're going to keep, you know, his level of expectation, I think, is just going to keep going up and up throughout the season. So, you know, I was happy to see them make some big plays. You know, Farrell Brown run down the sideline. It seemed like a run gun, Rob Gronkowski, you know, stumbling into the end zone. <laughs> um, you know, and there's some things to fix. But, you know, again, didn't turn the ball over. You know, and I think that was a big key to, you know, throughout the week was no turnovers, limit that, and, and try to make some big plays and then, you know, continue to play well on defense. Talked to Demario Douglas in the locker room after the game, and one of the things he said was, "I was harping on ball security <laughs> all week, ball security, ball security." And so that certainly paid dividends for him. He got back in the action; he was part of it. But offensively, it felt like they're moving in the right direction. And look, you know, you you take you take it with a grain of salt because it was the Jets, and the Jets aren't a very good team right now. But at the same time, they were able to run the ball consistently. They had four-fifths of their starting offensive line out there on a regular basis, and Mac was able to hit on a few throws. One of the things that I thought was really interesting, I wanted to get your take on this, was they, uh, particularly on the, the touchdown pass, they were able to use play action. And one of the things that Farrell Brown said after the game was, look, it was a great freaking sell by the offensive line. I know team football is all 11 guys on the same page, but give me some characteristics of a team that has a successful play action plan going into a game and is able to execute it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's so hard to defend against that. Right. So it's, 
instead of a team that just becomes so one-sided that, okay, this is a passing team or they have no run game. Now, all of a sudden we're trying to defend two things, right? And you have to be conscious of how well this team is running the football and you can't just drop eight guys into coverage. You got to be able to have people up there. You're going to get gashed. So the more that this team starts to define their identity and be able to run the football effectively, throw the football effectively. Now, now the, the game plan opens up, right? Now we're able to throw more play action into it. We're able to do a little bit more moving around and moving parts. And, and now that's, it's so much harder to game plan for that. And defense defenses have to, you know, they have to be aware of that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, credit to new England credit to bill O'Brien, you know, through the play action in there, run game was working and they're able to throw some of that stuff in. And I think that's, you know, I go back to when we were there, we got some of our biggest chunk plays, you know, big plays down the field because our run game was so effective. We were able to move the ball and then all of a sudden we were able to throw a play action and get a big, big play down the field. So to me watching that game, you know, there were plays that were over 10 yards, right? I, I wanted to see Mac throw the ball down the field because he has the capability of doing that. I think he showed that. And again, you know, we've, I feel like we've played every single game, you know, in, poor weather conditions and you know still he was able to move the ball down the field and make some good throws so you know i'm i'm really curious to see him play and this offense kind of continue to grow and um you know these younger receivers continue to step up and make some plays and you know again you know we didn't turn the ball over so that was that was a huge part ball security was a huge part i mean you saw the way uh the jets i mean they were doing everything they could to get that ball out every single time someone was hung up and um, you know, credit to New England's ball carriers. I mean, they did a good job of taking care of that thing. They played, I thought, 56 minutes of quality offense. And then for whatever reason, they got away from the four-minute offense at the end. They weren't able to execute uh, play-calling scheme, whatever the case may be. I know in moments like that that you want to run the ball and kill the clock. But after the sack by Judon and the safety, they had to punt the ball away two more times. And I think that kind of opened the door for the Jets. I, I was just curious about your your thoughts about the play calling at the end of the game. They they attempted a couple of passes. Yeah. It just seemed I mean, a little bit odd. You know, it, I mean, that's that's all situational football, right? And I think, you know, at, in one area, you want to just be able to run the football, right? And just run the game out. And you don't really want to take too many chances and turn the ball over you know, and you're, you know, you're part of the field and give the Jets a, sh- you know, a short field to work with and go in and, and have a chance to score. So, you know, it's tough. Um, I think, you know, I think Bill and both Bills, you know, I think they both wanted to, you know, get a first down by running the football. Um, you know, again, not great weather conditions. So, I mean, that comes into play too. Let's, let's not have some silly, you know, error where the ball gets, you know, slips through a guy's hands or let's, you know, let's take the, uh, the safe way. Let's run the football and see if we can get a first down. I mean, they weren't. Um, so again, credit to the defense, they stepped up uh, and they were able to get the stops that they needed to at the end of the, you know, and, you know, special teams, you know, they kicked the ball well down the field. Um, they covered well. So these are all things that I think that go into, you know, a full, fo- you know, a full football game, right? I don't think we've seen it this year. Mm-hmm where defense special teams offense really played together and i it wasn't there i don't think it's it's definitely not there and there's definitely stuff to build off of but there were times in that game where you caught you saw you know everyone building off of you know all three phases of the game 
it feels like they're getting there. And then the other thing too, as much as we killed them over the first two games for not making big plays in big moments, mm-hmm. the Judon sack, the Farrell Brown touchdown, there were things that they were able to execute with a game on the line. And again, you take it all with a grain of salt because the Jets are who they are right now. But the ability to make those plays in big moments, again, after two weeks where they they came up short in those kinds of moments, Huge. I think they deserve some sort of acknowledgement for that. 100%. I mean, and there are plays like, you know, one-on-one, Christian Gonzalez on their best receiver in the red zone. You know, Garrett runs a really good route, but Christian was right there. They go right back to him, one-on-one, man-to-man coverage. He runs a slant. You know, was it, you know, it wasn't the greatest thrown ball, but again, like, he was right there defending that. Those are those are plays that, you know, I think maybe get overlooked, but I'm watching it thinking this is what they were doing. They were thinking they were getting a touchdown off of these two plays, and they didn't. They held them to a field goal. So, you know, those are the types of plays that, you know, guys are stepping up. Um, you know, the Judon sack was huge. Uh, you know, them being able to get – I thought they did a great job of getting pressure on, you know, on Zach Wilson all, all game long. I think that was probably a big part of the game plan, you know, make him – you know, uncomfortable back there, you know, leave the pocket, you know, don't have all, all day to throw the football. Um, you know, guys did a good job covering. And again, I think as an offense, I think we're just, you know, we're, we're figuring it out. I don't think there's really, you know, everyone's going to say, ah, oh, you know, we didn't, it was the jets, you know, the jets have a good defense. Yeah. You know, everyone's yeah. saying that this, this defense with Aaron Rodgers, they were going to the playoffs. They were going to Super Bowl. So that's the same defense, right? They're out there, you know, they got good, good corners, good, you know, good, you know, front. And, you know, we played well against that. We ran the football against that front, which is a good front. So I think there are things to build off of um, and things to grow into as, as that identity, as that offense kind of starts to take a little bit more shape. Three games in Juju Smith-Schuster has been a little underwhelming and both sides keep saying the same thing. Juju is all in and Bill is extremely complimentary of him. As a, another wide receiver, what I know we've talked about him before, but is there any level of concern, anxiety when when you watch him play, or is it is it going to come for him eventually? Um, I'm going to say that it's going to come. Again, I think you know the thing about New England and playing in that offense is the variety of packages that go into a football game. Um, and the first three, you know, three games of the season, you know, they're still figuring it out, right? What group works best together? You know, is it three receivers? Is it this group of three receivers? Is it two tight ends? You know, so all of these things go into play with all this thing, you know, all of the the personnel and all the groupings that they throw out there during a football game. So, you know, for him, I think he's just going to go in there, take advantage. Uh, he hasn't been outspoken about it. He seems like he's being a team guy. So, yeah. I you know, I love that. And, and he's just saying he's going to be ready. You know, when the time comes and – it's going to be his time. And I, I I believe that. So I think there will be a point throughout the season where they figure out the offense's identity, the groupings that work best for them, uh, the receivers that work the best together and are most comfortable with Mac and Mac's most comfortable with them. You know, and we'll see where the chips fall after that. You mentioned Mac. He was involved in a dust up at the end of the game <laughs> with Sauce Gardner. I didn't think it was that big a deal. Uh, I'd be curious. I got a couple of questions on this. First of all, as an ex-player, I just want to get your thoughts on something I mean, like first that. First of all, the play should have, should have been stopped before he even got to that point. I mean, Matt got absolutely body slammed into the ground. You know, I think, you know, the refs want to talk about all this player safety stuff. And, you know, but in a moment like that where your quarterback 
or, or a quarterback gets body slammed to the ground and you're not doing anything about it, that there's a problem there, right? And then they let that go too far, way too far. I saw all the, the video and the slow motion stuff of Mag. I don't know what happened. But again, he got shoved to the ground again, and there's no penalty. So at some point, like, let's, you know, as referees, that's your job. Man. I mean, step up, you know, stop the play from getting to that point. So, I mean, listen, these are these are grown men playing, playing going to battle every single weekend. There's a lot of emotion, especially in the bottom of a pile. You know, I would I you know be the first one to tell you that it's it's not pretty underneath there. If if uh you know if you do end up in the bottom of that pile, I mean guys are clawing, scratching, trying to get the football out of you because you know you never know. Ball might you might be on the ground for a couple seconds and someone rips the ball out and all of a sudden they're saying fumble and now we got to go back and look at it. So um, it can get pretty nasty underneath there. But um, you know, I th- again, I I do I don't think Mac did anything wrong. I think he did a good job keeping his cool after. <laughs> getting thrown to the ground. Uh, I thought New England did a good job. You know, that could have been a lot worse than, you know, what, you know, what eventually happened, which was no flags on the play, <laughs> which is amazing to me, but seemed kind of like how the game was going. It didn't seem like they were really throwing a lot of penalties in that game. Yeah. Uh, are, are nut shots like that part of the game? I, I remember in, in look, I remember there was a game in 2008 down there, yeah. 2018 down there. Yeah. You were, you were on the team. Cordero Patterson felt that New York lineman Henry Anderson was spending a little bit too much time on top of him and had to lift him up and grabbed him by the groin and, and lifted him up. Yeah. But, you know, we, we talked I mean, about again, stuff. it's also like heat of the moment stuff. Right? Yeah, exactly. So it's, yeah. Not, it's also like, ah, you're not trying to grab someone in the groin. You might just end up being like, listen, I'm not trying to have this 275 pound defensive lineman laying on top of me. Like I'm just going to get him off as, as quickly mm-hmm. as I can. So some of that stuff, I, I I think I don't think any of that stuff's intentional. I think people are doing more like, you know, let me take a little gut shot at you and, and you know, try to, you know, jar the ball out. You know, I'm going for the football, but you end up getting punched in the stomach. You know, I think that's more yeah. likely to happen or you get a, uh, you know, a chain ripped off of your chest if you're wearing that sort of thing. <laughs> this also felt a little bit like. Like and you t- we talked about the Zapruder film aspect of the whole thing, but it's like yeah. it, it felt like because it's Patriots Jets. And the league is going to pay more attention. We know now that Mac is not going to be suspended. That's the word that came down Tuesday morning. He's probably going to get a fine. My my last question on this: There's one inc- one incident is isolated. There have been a yeah. few incidents now with Mac. Is he starting to lose the benefit of the doubt? We saw some guys around the league tweet yesterday, some former players and current players, about Mac being dirty. And when something like this happens, you usually give the guy the benefit of the doubt. But because there have been multiple incidents now, maybe we start to view Mac in a slightly different light. No, I mean, listen, man, he's he's still a young kid, right? And he's learning how to play the game. I mean, are there instances where he's, you know, I remember I think last year, you know, he was sliding in and he stuck his foot up and, mm-hmm. you know, that that type of stuff. Yeah, I mean, you can't do it, right? As a quarterback in New England, all eyes are on you, especially, you know, it's not Tom, right? Tom would get every single call, right? And you're not Tom Brady. You know, you're not one of, you're not at that level yet. So I think you just, I think for him, it's really about kind of flying underneath the radar, not doing any of that stuff, not trying to draw more attention to yourself so that, you know, in the later on in the season, when you do get blindsided or there is a rough in the pass or like you get that call. So mm-hmm. I think, Trying to try, trying to avoid doing any of this kind of stuff will definitely benefit Mac for sure. 
you texted me in the second half that you wanted to talk about the officiating and you alluded to it a little bit earlier on. And so I want to give you the, you know, I want to give you a podium here to talk about the officiating in that game and maybe the officiating as a, as a whole this year in the national football league. I just, it's the pass interference calls, man. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm a little bit biased, right? I'm a receiver. So there are, I'll watch the games now and, and I get to see all the replays and I'd be like, okay, you know, yeah, he was tugging on it. Dude, that pass to pop, pop Douglas, Mm -hmm. you know, down in the red zone. That was the most blatant pass interference I've ever, the guy was literally tackling him before the ball even got to him. I don't understand how they don't make that call. Mm -hmm. Right. It wasn't a ticky tack day where it's like, oh, he grabbed his jersey. I mean, he what had no idea where the ball was, wasn't trying to attempt to make a play on the ball. He was literally tacking pop before the ball even got there. So to me, the refs, you know, the accountability for making those kind of plays in that sort of game, uh, you, you got the flag there, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I think everyone watching the game, I mean, I saw Bill's reaction, so I know how <laughs> furious he was. But, like, the whole stadium knew that was a pass interference call. Right. And I just think there's no, there's no, there's so much gray area in, in the, in the PI calls, you know, it's one, I know that the, the crews are different and they, they call plays differently and, and some crews let a little bit more go and some crews are very, not very lenient. Right. It's like a little tug of the Jersey and that's a PI. So this is a national football league, man. I mean, I think to some aspect, you have to let some things go at the line of scrimmage, right? But when there are blatant stuff down the field where it's just one-on-one with two guys, you can't miss those calls. Yeah. Uh, especially in games like that, man. I mean, I know it's early on in the season, but that's a that's a big play in the game. That was a huge... Yeah. If he doesn't tackle him, I guarantee you he comes up with that football, right? One of the things that, that I always hear athletes say is not so much, look, mistakes are going to be made referees are human officials are human they just want a level of consistency so when they go out there they know this is a flag this is a penalty and this is not 100 and we used to always you know i remember jules and you know myself you know before the game and you know like we watch film so i know how these i know how all defensive backs play and be like listen this guy you know he does a lot of tugging or he does a lot of holding at the line of scrimmage or down the field you know am i allowed to how like what are you going to call it? What's OPI in your eyes? Like, mm-hmm. can I smack his arm down and give him a little shove? Like, is that OPI on me? Right. So that sort of communication, I think, even for the younger guys, right? It's good to communicate with these refs before the game starts. Get let them know who you are. You know, get to know you a little bit because you're going to see them throughout your career. These crews stay together for the most part, so you're always going to see the same group of guys together. So I used to know. All the all the referees. I used to always go up to them. You know, you always be very very polite, say hi to them, hey, you know, whatever. Um, you know, and, and talk to them. You know, like hey, you know, what's like, what are we calling today? You know, what can I get away with? What are you gonna look for? You know, this sort of thing, so that at least now it's in their mind. Like, hey, I've been watching a film. This guy grabs a lot. You know, and it doesn't have to be this. You don't have to yell at them during the game or you know anything like that. You just the more respectful that you can be towards them, I think the more respectful they are towards you as a player. So I used to always have tried to open that line of communication throughout the game. But, you know, I, again, going back to it, I just think there's gotta be more consistency in the calls because, you know, there are calls in the middle of the field and things that kind of bang, bang plays, you know, that don't get called. And I understand that because can't make every single call for, for a play like that down the field where there's, only, that's the only thing everyone is looking at. I, I don't see how you don't make that call, but you know, 
refs are human. You know, we don't make every single call. So I, I do understand that. Did you guys get advanced scouting work done on referees before oh, yeah. games? Like, would Bill say, look, this guy is more inclined to call passing or defensive pass interference. This guy's more inclined to call offensive. What, what yeah, did that look teams, like? What, what, were yeah, those teams, what were those yeah, conversations? What were those conversations? Most like? teams that I was on, you know, the on a on a you know Wednesday in your team meeting, you'd be like, okay, like this is who we're playing, you know, and now here's the crew, right? And this crew is ranked, you know, first in OPI, you know, second in DPI. They've called this many uh offense pass interferences, or these, you know, this many holdings, or this crew's really high in um, you know personal fouls. Uh, so these are things that like, okay, we have to be aware of, um, or, you know, in, you know, in new England, we would say, you know, we had this crew against this game last year or, you know, two, three years ago, and they called the game like this and they called this many penalties on us. They called offensive holding defensive holding, you know, whatever it was. So as a, as a team, you kind of knew what that crew was going to be looking out for. Um, you know, and again, if they're a big, offensive holding team, you know, that was a, that was an point of emphasis throughout the game, or this team is, you know, they're going to call a lot of DPIs, you know, again, that was something that as a defense, you know, they were aware of, you know, it wasn't going to be a, a grab and hold and, and a really physical game down the field. You know, they had to be aware of that kind of stuff. So we had, you know, they gave us as much information to try to win a football game as we could. All right, let's put the Jets in the rearview mirror. Let's talk real briefly about this week. Patriots, Cowboys, 425 Eastern time at AT AT&T Stadium. This sets up to be a very interesting matchup on a couple of levels, including the fact Dallas is coming in after losing, surprisingly, to the Arizona Cardinals last week. The Cardinals shocked the Cowboys. The Cowboys fell to 2-1 and in the season. The Patriots are looking to go to 500. Give me your initial take on how this thing shakes out. Yeah, I mean, I think every the Cardinals are shocking everyone this year. I mean, I don't think anyone expected them to be as competitive as they are, but I mean, they're going out and putting up points on every single team. Um, I think Dallas is going to come out pretty fast. You know, I think they obviously went into Arizona expecting to win that football game. I don't, you know, they obviously did not play their best, and I think they're going to try to come out, you know, really fast. You know, you know get the ball going, get it into CeCe's hands, you know, get the run game going because not, nothing worked for them last weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Zeke's going back to Dallas. You know, that's that's going to be a big story this, you know, this week. So I think at, for New England, you know, we have to build off of this win, right? We won a football game. It doesn't matter who you played, right? That's a win, right? Now we got to build off of this. We got, What do we do well? You know, what is – Again, I keep going back to this establishing your identity, right? I think as a defense, they they're doing a very good job. I think they know who they are as a defense. You know, we're going to stop the run. Um, you know, we're going to do a really good job against their, you know, their best receivers. We're going to limit their big plays, and that's what we're going to focus on as an offense. I think it's you know who are our guys, you know, who's the grouping of guys that we want to go with, you know, who's the grouping, you know, the different personnels that are working the best for us, and. Again, every single week, it's going to be about not turning the football over. So, you know, you got Stefan Gilmore over there who's familiar with the Patriots. You know, Zeke's going back. So there's a lot of familiarity, you know. And, you know, I think it's, you know, for Mac, I think it's you're going to be playing indoors, right? So there's going to be no wet footballs. You know, like, let's let's move the ball, man. I mean, let's let's spread it out. Let's get the guys, you know, our playmakers, the ball in their hands. Let's continue to run the, you know, the run game needs to continue to do well. 
Um, and I love to continue to see them try to make some of those big chunk plays down the field. What's it like going back to a team that you used to play for? You're going back, going back, going to that stadium. Look, you've mentioned that Zeke is going back to Dallas and it's going to be a lot of fanfare this week. You played, you suited up for every team in the AFC East, including a few other teams. So you had a chance to return home to play like when you were with the Patriots to play the Bills. What's that like? Is that an emotional experience? Is that just you just forget about it as soon as you step on the field? Walk me through that process a little bit. Yeah, I think it's different for every guy. Um, You know, for me, you know, in the in the two places that I played the longest. Right. So I played for Buffalo for a long time and then I played for New England a long time. Going back to both of those places when I played for different teams was, you know, uh, nostalgic, I guess, if you want to call it. Right. Mm -hmm. I had the best experience in New England. So when I came back, you know, to New England, when I played for Carolina, um, you know, that was a little nostalgic for me. Those are all my guys. Right. The same team. I mean, I, I, you know, we had three years of a pretty damn good run that we, you know, back to back to back Super Bowls. You know, those are some of my closest team, the closest friends, guys that I still talk to today. So, um, you know, that was a little bit of emotional for me, you know, seeing those guys in that team, um, you know, going back to Buffalo when I played in New England was it was fun to be on the opposite side of things, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, going in as, you know, you know, the the bus driving in and seeing, you know, bills and the tailgates and just the, all the crazy stuff that experience man i I tell people who i tell people who've never seen a game in buffalo they need to do the whole thing they need to do i I agree man it's it's like it's next level to kind of be on the opposite side of that that opposing bus driving into the stadium and just getting the amount of people flipping (laughs) off (laughs) and just like just going you know this starts at eight o'clock in the morning right that was fun for me. I, I had I had, I enjoyed going back to Buffalo because I also enjoyed playing there as well. I love that fan base. I love that stadium. Um, you know, the team had obviously and coaching staff had a lot of turnover, but that organization gave me my first, you know, my first run in, in the NFL. So, you know, going back there was a lot of fun. So I think for Zeke, it's um, you know, again, I think there are a lot of emotions that go into that game. So I think for guys like Zeke, I think for guys like Stefan, you know, who had a you know really good run in New England as well, um, you know, I think you kind of have to do a really good job of compartmentalizing your emotions, right? You know, you're going to see guys that you know, you know, you're going to see guys, see coaches that you that coached you, um, you know, get it out of the way, right? Mm-hmm. Say hi to them, and then it's business, right? You're there to play a football game. You can see him after the game, you know say hi to your boys, you know, before the game, get out there early and then go about your business, right? Go about your routine and be like, listen, I'll, I'll see you after the game, right? Because mm-hmm. you're there to win a football game. So I think that's the most important thing for, you know, for Zeke, especially going back to Dallas. Chris Hogan, great stuff as always, my friend. Take care. We will talk soon next week, Sunday, 425, Patriots, Cowboys. It should be a lot of fun. We'll wrap that one up and then one. we'll spin it forward and take a look at the month of October for the Patriots. Love it. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. One more reminder, this episode of the Patriots Report has been brought to you by Bet Online. Football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, Bet Online gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. 
head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.